You're listening to a podcast from IP. Hello and welcome to Injury Prevention. I'm Brian Johnston, the Editor-in-Chief. Our podcasts focus on work published in Injury Prevention, an international peer-reviewed journal. With each issue, we identify one paper as our editor's choice. That's the paper we discuss in our podcast, and it's always free online. So if you're interested in what you hear, please have a look at the website and download the manuscript. You can find us at injuryprevention.bmj.com. Today we're going to talk about the paper, It Was a Freak Accident, an analysis of the labeling of injury events in the U.S. press, which appears in our February 2012 issue. I'm joined by the lead author on the paper, Dr. Catherine C. Smith, from the Center for Injury Research and Policy at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, where she's also an associate professor. Welcome, Kate. Hello. So um, let's start maybe with a definition of some terms. I think that the expression a freak accident is going to be familiar to many of our readers in the United States, but maybe less so to those joining us from elsewhere. Can you give us an idea what this term typically means or how it's used in common speech? Sure. Um, and actually, that's a great place to start because in some ways, that was one of the questions that sort of we were grappling with as as we began this analysis. Um, basically, a freak accident used in everyday speech is an unusual or an unplanned event. Um, and in our case, clearly, we're interested in injury events. So we limited our consideration to freak accidents that are sort of in some way related to um, injury of people. Um, so, But we actually set out in this paper to explore what what freak accident means in the context of how injury events are getting covered in, in the news media. So this paper is not the first to, to look at the interface between media and injury prevention. There have been a number of lines of research that uh, we've covered in our journal and in others. Some have really looked at the content of media to discern whether there's an association between what people see and hear and their own injury risk-related behaviors. And others have looked at media more as a vehicle through which community norms and expectations can be set. I think your paper really falls into this latter category. Um, can you tell us what prompted your interest in there? What motivated that research? Sure, and, and I think you're absolutely right that that is where our paper falls. Um, our interest in this in this issue came out actually in a, a lunchtime discussion in the um, in the center here at Hopkins, closely following the tragic death of Mike Tyson's four-year-old daughter Exodus. By way of context, Exodus was strangled on exercise equipment in her home. Several of us had seen widespread news coverage, um, both in the U.S. and, and internationally. What we noticed about the coverage was that it seemed like this term freak accident was um, in every one of the articles that we saw. And so it started us thinking, you know, what other kinds of injury um, events were labeled in this way by the news media, and what does that mean for injury prevention? So that really was your research question. What did you mm -hmm. do then to, to set out to answer it? This is an initial um, foray into this field. We did a, um, a relatively modest study. We looked at three news sources here in the U.S. Um, we started off actually just looking at the Associated Press as a sort of as one major source of news content for a lot of different media. But we actually widened that out to the New York Times and the Philadelphia Inquirer when we realized that the Associated Press wasn't capturing sort of local stories. And um, we searched for the term freak accident and looked at any article that 
uh, use this term anywhere in, in the article in association with either a specific human injury or the sort of concept of human injury. So we excluded things that I, I wouldn't have even thought would have been potential to come up. Freak accidents also happen to racehorses, <laughs> um, and, and those are the sorts of things that we excluded. But we, we looked at just just about every article that talked about in these from these three sources over several years that taught, that used this term in relation to some injury to a person. And you know, without uh, going into great detail, what were some of your key findings? What what stands out? Sure. So I think one of the early key findings, maybe because this analysis was so prompted by the death of a young child, I was certainly assuming, and I think some of my colleagues were too, that freak accident would be being used primarily around children. And what we found was that that wasn't the case at all, that a majority of articles that use the term was in relation to athletes, either professional athletes or semi-professional athletes. So that was one surprise that then actually shaped a lot of our uh, further data collection, including including the decision to actually to include the New York Times and the, and the Philadelphia newspaper. Beyond that, other things that we were very interested in was that fewer than one in ten of the articles that use this term in any way included any prevention in, information. And then we were also very interested to learn sort of who was using the term and the fact that it was approximately split between the term being called upon either by the person that was injured or sort of involved in the event talking to the journalist. But about in as, about as many cases, it was actually the journalist who was describing the, the event was calling this a freak accident. You mentioned that the term freak accident was especially prevalent in stories about injuries to athletes. Do you have any mm-hmm. ideas why that might be? So this is something we talked about quite a bit in, in the process, and I've done quite a few um, media analysis, and this is the first time that I've actually worked with a working journalist as one of our coders. And some of the input that, that they had was that, that routine injury is by its very nature not necessarily newsworthy, but that calling something a freak accident may be what, what convinces an editor this is actually something that, that a paper or that a news source should should include. Um, I think we also came to the realization that athletes' injuries are more newsworthy. You know, athletes are public figures, and and their readiness to play is something that people care about. I think we also started to think about and to discuss in our paper the different constraints that athletes work under, and that athletes are held to a very high standard to keep themselves fit for play. Um, A lot of them have very specific contracts um, about being ready and fit to play. And so there's an added prompt for both them and their representatives, their managers, their PR people, to explain events that in other situations wouldn't necessarily require explanation. So if someone tears a a hamstring playing around with their kids, that's something that that needs to be explained in a way that it it wouldn't call for that um, for other individuals. And also what we started to think about was, and this ties to other literature, is that you know, athletes don't want to be seen as being injury-prone or unlucky. And so the sort of use of the term freak accident, you know, this is something that could have happened to anyone. It's not something about the specific person. This is a freak accident. It removes that level of accountability in a, in a somewhat different way than I think that we've, we've thought about accidents in, in injury prevention. You know, you, you had an example in the paper, I think, of an athlete who was injured outside of practice, outside of a game, mm-hmm. um, fooling around in some ways with a family yeah. member. And uh, the the gist of the story was uh, to make it clear that he wasn't doing anything untoward, that mm-hmm. this, he wasn't uh, under the influence of alcohol, he, hadn't, he wasn't in a fist fight, this just happened. Yeah. 
Um, and to me, that's the sort of image that is triggered when I hear the, the term freak accident used, that there's an effort there to exculpate oneself from any potential shred of blame. And I can understand wh why a driver in a traffic crash might uh, describe the accident as a freak or uh, maybe the manager of a, a sports figure. But what about a journalist? You said half of the time it wasn't the journalist wasn't quoting uh, quoting the athlete or the injured party as describing this as a freak accident. The journalist himself or herself chose to use that term to describe an event. Why why would a journalist uh, pick that term freak accident? If if we go back to our definition of of freak accident as being unusual or unplanned, that's in some ways what makes the injury potentially newsworthy, or that's one component of what makes it newsworthy. And I think it's also an eye-catching term. One of the things that we talk about in the paper is the way that freak accident implies gruesome or severe. And again, I think that that potentially draws people's attention to the story. And I think we also started to at least think about a little bit the extent to which, and this ne isn't necessarily the rationale for the use of this term, but the extent to which the labeling of or the framing of routine injuries, injuries that are happening in practice as a sort of course of, of routine play as freak accidents and what that means in terms of how we think about sports and, and the dangers associated with them. So if an event is labeled as a freak accident by a journalist in an attempt to increase its newsworthiness, mm -hmm. what does that mean for us as people who are interested in injury prevention? Um, do you think the use of that term in the in the uh, newspaper piece preempts then a discussion of preventability? We don't think so. We were disappointed, but not surprised to find that fewer than one in ten articles included injury prevention information. But I think we need to separate the idea that including prevention information implies blame or guilt for an event that's already happened. So I think that there may be multiple reasons why the prevention information wasn't there. Um, you know, it may be that um, the concept of rarity, you know, if this is a freak accident because it only happens one in 10 to 15 years, why bother trying to prevent it in the future? And I think that that's actually something that from an injury prevention perspective and from a public health perspective, we know a lot about the benefits and the um, advantages to thinking beyond just a specific event. And I think we would be looking for prevention information in every single article. Well, that's an, a nice segue into my next question, which is what's, what do you do next? What, what is your group planning in the future? Are you looking at any media advocacy or other injury prevention projects? Sure. A few things that we're currently working on that dovetail into this work but are distinct. One, we're currently planning a poll about people's attitudes towards various auto and, and road-related products that are pertinent to injury prevention. So we'd like to understand sort of what people think about them. And then also, if you provide people with research information relevant to those products, um, whether that has the potential to change their attitudes or to shift their opinions. And then I'm also working with some alumni from the center who are now in, in faculty positions at other institutions on looking at parents' understanding of news stories related to childhood injury. Um, and childhood injury prevention. So I think that injury prevention and the injury con community has done a lot of work in the past few years to um, engage in media advocacy, and we haven't yet done sufficient work to understand what 
what parents or what audience members potentially take away from from the work that we're doing. And so we're actually planning to take some of the news stories that that we've done and actually um, engage with parents of young children, the, exactly the audience, and see what they take away from them and and how that might actually um, change their behavior. Well, that's terrific. It sounds like you've got plenty of work yet to do. <laughs> yes, that we was, do. <laughs> this, that was Dr. Kate Smith discussing her work reported in the February 2012 issue of Injury Prevention. Her paper, It Was a Freak Accident, an Analysis of the Labeling of Injury Events in the U.S. Press, is this month's editor's choice. It's freely available at the journal's website. And that's all for this edition of our podcast. Please join us in April for highlights of the next issue. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.